What does it mean to manufacture a stronger standard? At DeGeist, it means to solve challenges and help manufacturers achieve more through our people, our technology, and our belief that anything is possible. This is Manufacturing a Stronger Standard, a podcast by DeGeist. Hi everyone, this is Derek DeGeist, president of DeGeist Corporation and Lusty USA. Welcome to another edition of Manufacturing a Stronger Standard, a podcast about solving manufacturing challenges for those who want to do more and be more by thinking big and believing anything is possible. Today we're going to be talking about a thought paper that we published on fixing the manufacturing capacity gap. This came from an observations that I've been seeing in the industry and from experience in our own company. So I want to be clear, my observations or what I'm seeing in industry isn't another podcast or look at the obvious skills gap. Now, I know that this is a huge hurdle that we have to overcome as an industry, but today I'm going to be talking and looking at a slightly different angle. This isn't going to be a talk about the skills gap. We're going to talk about the capacity gap. And the capacity gap in manufacturing is something that really became clear when I saw a study done by the Canadian and Fabricating and Welding magazine and the Fabricator jointly put out a study on the automation growth in manufacturing. And of that, they showed the list of options as they checked what are companies investing in. And they listed all kinds of different uh, fabrication and welding and options. And there wasn't an option for finishing. There wasn't an option to click that. Um, now, it is a fabricating well the magazine, and maybe they just weren't using that. There is some automation happening. But what that was really clear to me in seeing is that this study showed that 58% of investment is happening in the cutting side and another 18% in bending. And then it left 24% in weld, which means 76% is going to fab, 24 in weld, and we're not talking about finishing. And maybe it just wasn't the time, but it really what is clear to me is showing is that the more automation we continue to invest in, on like the fabrication side, and as long as we start to increase the more and more automation that we have with that, the more and more velocity of the parts that we're going to be able to produce. We're producing more. That's an increase the part velocity of you generating and building more parts. The more automated you get, the more that that you're going to be able to build those parts. And now we're starting to begin to invest in welding because we ran into a capacity issue we couldn't do anymore until we automated in welding. That's starting to come. And what I'm seeing is, is that finishing really hasn't started being looked at seriously in investing for automation yet in that finishing side. And really what that means is that what's going to happen is we're going to increase rapidly the parts are being produced we're going to start to build a weld them more and it's going to come to a screeching halt when it gets to the finishing side and the problem is finishing automation is not a quick fix so we got to start looking at that now that's something that we need to be aware of we need to be putting that into our capital budgets starting making plans because it's different you know if you think of finishing automation versus welding automation or, or in the fab side, that most of fab and weld automation is siloed. It's a specific thing that cuts. Like in our shop, our lasers, they're set up. We got some that cut from 18 gauge to quarter inch. We got some that are quartered to three eighths. And then we have like some three eighths to half inch on one and, and, three, and three quarter and above. I mean, they're set up to do specific types. And in our weld side, We've got uh, we've got a lot of welding robots, but they do 
two or three things typically like and they get very tuned into that it's they're very fixtured programs are very complicated at times and so they get dedicated into one thing you can drop one in you can drop another one in there you want more capacity drop another cell in want more capacity in laser replace an old machine with a new one that cuts three times faster easy to be able to drop in and improve but now you get to finishing finishing is typically large capital investments, big legacy equipment built into the building with massive HVAC and electrical. And it is not easy to adjust, not easy to add on to at times. And all of your all of your production will goes through those systems. It isn't siloed that you have one robot that does this part and another robot does that part. In your finishing side, everything those robots and fabrication equipment produces all usually goes through that one line. And so uh, when we look at, obviously, the, one of the reasons that we haven't done a lot, it's not very, it was not easy to do. And you, most companies, we all continue to build on the success that we have. If we start doing well in automation with our lasers, we get more lasers, we get more brake presses. It's easy to add to that. But in the finishing side, it is not easy to add to that. So we got to look at options for that now so that we're planning for that in the future. And the reason why that's possible to do that now is because there are more options. You know, we look back at that study, there is automation in finishing. We have a lot of material handling is the most popular finishing automation. We have overhead conveyor lines. There's chain on edge systems that move parts through. Um, there's cart systems as well that are really adaptable. Um, so we're moving parts through and finishing. There's some reciprocators that are automatic that will that will, uh, just shower stuff with powder or disc lines that do the liquid. And there's flat lines. So there is some automation. I don't want to say that there's none. But when you look predominantly at where the investments are and what your options are in automation for general industry, there typically hadn't been as many in the past. Now, this is something that we saw firsthand in our company. You know, so we started with software development, and from there that we then rolled into adding and growing our um, fabrication side, and then we added welding robots because we couldn't we couldn't weld anymore of what we were producing uh, from our automated fab equipment. You know, I could look out and see our welding. We were doing everything we could scrambling to be able to keep up, and then our fab side was just cruising, clicking along, and we were keeping the machines running, and we were building parts. You know, so it really looked like the, the old saying, smooth is fast and fast is slow. And it really is what it felt like. It was easier to produce because of the automated equipment and the technology that we had available at an earlier entry um, point for our team in, uh, in our fabrication side. We started adding um, welding robots, and then there came a point as that started to, to grow momentum. One robot turned into two, turned into four, turned into five, and we added more and more capacity, and we're increasing the velocity of parts so that we can automatically generate jobs in our software, go through our fab at a much a smoother and faster uh, pace. And now with our welding robots, we're able to take on larger jobs, more volume to add to our manual side, and then it got to our finishing side. You know, the, the general adage is we throw more, throw more manpower at it. We got to get it through. And the real the get it done attitude has been what we've what we've lived on in the industry for a long time. And generally it's worked. And now it's not. I mean, a couple of things, not just 
not just that the automation or can't blame just um, uh, COVID or the big, the great resignation or there's a skills gap. So there's no people that that can do it. Those, those are all variables. But in the end, you're increasing automation in other areas of your company and not um, looking at it and finishing. So it doesn't matter how many people you throw at it. Just like we couldn't throw enough people at uh, the weldments that we're doing with our robots to be able to even get that work or to be competitive in that or to keep people. It's not sustainable um, at that level anymore as you continue to grow. And what that do is that can stifle the capacity or growth potential of the other areas of your company. So the things that you're really good at that you want to do more of, there'll come a point where you can't do anymore because it's stifled by your bottleneck that you have created in the finishing side. So as we look at how, how do we grow then or open up the opportunity to start the conversation in finishing inside your company, you need to look at what your options are. You know, from our less side, we see our customers, we've got some that we, we can add finishing automation for as little as three months, put a welding, put a, or put a finishing robot in there. Or there are some that take years, depending on, on space. We talk about that, the large um, capital equipment that you have in your system. If there's not room and you have to add on to a building, that's a big deal. And you got to know what you need to be able to know how much you need to add on to start budgeting for that to happen. And if we don't start now, that capacity that you're gaining, the velocity that oh, from the investments you made in, on, in your fabrication equipment, and maybe that next welding robot, whenever when that starts cranking and you need help, it's too late. So we got to start talking on that side. And really, the options that are available now, you have more of them. There is a lot more automation in the finishing side, and there's a lot of new solutions coming out. So it's definitely worth being looking at. For us, it was seeing that we didn't have an option here. Industrial robots, typical from what we've known in the welding side, didn't transfer over because we had so many different types of parts, hundreds and hundreds of different types of parts that we'd be running through. And the time to be able to program that uh, was, not, was not feasible and not scalable for us. So we went out and found uh, Lesta in Italy, a self-learning robot, a new robotic technology. We saw that help bring it to the US. We opened up our own um, line. It's one of the, one of the, for us, was a very large system. We looked at what do we need? We need to be able to, do, uh, we specialize in complex and large carbon steel weldments at uh, Degeese Corporation. And we wanted to be able to do bigger parts. Our customers wanted to do bigger parts. They wanted, they wanted to have stuff ready to be able to assemble. And so the larger the parts that we did, the fact that if we could paint them and they could leave them outside until they're ready to use them, they were all in on that. And they want to know how can we, how can we do that? So we expanded the size of our line. And from that, that allowed us to be able to do very large parts. And so when we put in our self-learning robots, we were able to take the painters that we already have. And from there, the self-learning robot works with the painters that you have. So our programmers are our painters. And so we created career opportunities for our painters. They've made hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of programs without ever having a robot programmer touch anything. And so those programs, that, that system, that's theirs. That's their baby. That's an extension of themselves. They're proud of the work that they do. And it allowed them every gun angle, every nuance, the knowledge that they have, they're putting into the programs and the robots that are there. And that's really allowed us to be able to continue to grow. And what we've seen is, yes, we've expanded our capacity. Before we had this automated line, 
um, we had a manual, a manual line pull through conveyor line. So when we added a power and free line with uh, automating our, our part transfer and also the cure, the cure oven increased our speed that we could build. And then with the robots, we're able to continue to run without people in the booth. Our system manually would take at least six to eight people just to keep it running. And our whole system runs with two. So that allows us to be able to crank out parts to be able to produce at a level that's not possible in a manual setting. What used to take manually for us 45 hours plus Saturdays to now when we put our system in, we're able to complete that same amount of work in less than a day and a half. And so that increased the capacity. And from there, then we also saw that our our welding side was able to continue to grow. We've since added three more welding robots on top of that. And we've added another two newer brake presses and we've added newer lasers. So the things that we were already really good at, we're continuing to be able to grow those because we've balanced out our automation and we've been able to be able to continue to grow all of our areas. And if we look back, what I've seen from 2015, when we started this, before we had welding robots, when we added welding robots um, from a baseline to 2018, so in a three-year period, we took that uh, like would be a revenue per employee. We increased that by 44%. So in a three-year period from 2015 to 2018, we increased our revenue per employee by 44%. And then we maxed out bottleneck. We didn't have pain automation. When we added the pain automation, like we talked about, we were then able to take from where we started in 2015 till now, we're able to increase our revenue per employee by 82%. And that is an unprecedented staggering number because we're multiplied the efforts of our people. We've allowed them to get them out of the repetitive task, have more engaging jobs and, and tasks to be able to, and career opportunities and be able to have them work on that while the machines are still running. So that's been able to help. As we talk about, this is a capacity gap conversation, but it does bleed into the skills gap too, because as we look at wanting to attract the next generation of employees, there is an expectation that they will be using technology. They were born with a cell phone in their hand. And now when they come into um, a, a work environment, they expect some form of augmented technology or automation that they'll be working with or that will be helping them. And so to create not only sustainability in your company, to be able to create automation that can flow through all areas of your shop and show an opportunity for upcoming, incoming um, potential employees that allows you to be able to continue to be able to do all of them. Remember, as I talked about at the beginning of this podcast with that study done on automation growth, there is a large investment happening within manufacturing in fabrication and beginning to be in weld. So we got to make sure that we're looking at how that's going to be bleeding into finishing and the need that we're going to have coming up to be able to invest in that. And so if that's something that you want to be looking at, um, make sure you're talking to your to your local distributors, seeing what options are out there, or you can give us a call. Call Lesta USA and talk to our team to see if self-learning robots could be the key to help unlock that additional capacity and automation potential for yourselves as it was for us and be able to make sure that you're planning to be successful in the future. So thanks everyone for another episode again on Manufacturing a Stronger Standard, a podcast for manufacturers and finishers who want to achieve more. A stronger standard means good enough is never good enough. And it's how we roll here at DeGeese Corporation. 
So make sure to check us out at Spotify, Apple, and subscribe to Manufacturing a Stronger Standard. And join us as we work together to make sure manufacturing can not only survive in the USA, but thrive. Thanks for listening.